The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to IMC. This is the fourth evening in a four-part series on metta, Introduction to Loving-Kindness Practice. I'm curious how many people are here for the first time tonight. Okay, welcome, welcome. I mean the first time to this course, you as well. And how many are here for the first time to IMC? One, one, okay, thank you. So loving-kindness practice is a supportive practice for mindfulness meditation, for those of you who are new to it. And given that this is um, the end of the series, I'm not going to recap everything we've been doing. I'm just going to kind of move us directly into the practice, and that'll give other people a few minutes to get here. So start by settling into a comfortable posture. And allow your eyes to close. Maybe just take a moment or two to settle into the room, to let go of whatever you were coming from to arrive here. Nothing to rush for. Nowhere else to be right now. can be helpful to scan through your body and just notice whatever energy or sensations or emotions are there right now and gently acknowledge it whatever is coming up it's okay See if you can attend to your internal posture, allowing the sounds of others arriving to come and go. And attend to the attitude in which the heart and mind are holding the experience of being here right now. What is the internal stance? Now bringing into your mind a conscious memory or thought of some person or being who makes your heart light up, makes a smile come. You don't have to know them well. They don't even have to be human. Cute kittens, Sri Lankan squirrels work just fine. Let's see if you might be able to remember some of their endearing qualities. Without a lot of internal discussion, just feel into what you appreciate about this being. Perhaps as if you're together, or in line of sight. 
notice any sensations or emotions, particularly in the heart center, the center of your chest. Some people find it helpful to put a hand on the center of their chest. Activates the basal ganglia. Basal ganglia are neurons in other parts of our body than our brains. Collecting your attention around the center of your chest. Imagine offering this being kindness in an open-handed way. Perhaps a gesture or a smile or just simple warmth. Tune into the breath and see if you can feel into exhaling goodwill or kindness towards them. Inhaling, noticing whatever is happening in this heart and body. and letting go of this person. Turn this kind attention to the person in your seat. This breath, this moment. If it's helpful, clarify and focus your intention with words. Perhaps just one or two words for each phrase you use. Feel free to use the ones I offer or to make up your own. Be happy. May I be well. May I be safe from inner and outer harm. May I know ease and joy. Happy. Healthy. Peaceful. safe, at ease. It can be helpful to build a rhythm with the breath. Drop the intention simply into the deep well of your own heart, 
and let them resonate through your experience. Pausing with the phrases for a moment. Let the meaning resonate through your body. The wish to be happy, to be free of suffering. Just like me, everyone in this room, this neighborhood, has hopes fears and challenges. In this room there are talents we will never know. Moments of heroism. Difficulties that will never be heard about. There is commitment and joy. There is pain and optimism and accomplishment in this room. Just like me, people in this room have measure of sorrow and blind spots, fears, needs, capacities and dreams. If any of us were born in a different body, to different parents or a different set of conditions, we would be a product of those conditions. All of us, though, share this same basic wish to be free from suffering. Allow a wish for the welfare and happiness of those around you now to radiate from your body. Perhaps like the resonance of a bell, refreshing your intentions with the rhythm of whatever words work for you.
In the last moment of this meditation, turn the mind back towards itself. What is the internal attitude towards this experience right now? No judgments. See how gently you can notice what is. Hi again, everybody. I'm just wondering if there might be any questions or comments from either that meditation or from the past week of your practice. Anybody? Okay, great. You've all mastered it. (laughs) So... um, A few of you, I think, were probably here the week I introduced the idea of bringing in songs that are related to metta. I'm wondering if anybody has song ideas that they brought in. And if you don't, you can think about it. I'll ask again later. But um, You do. Yes, please. My favorite song for opening my heart is from B-Tribe, and it's called Spiritual, Spiritual. B-Tribe. Spiritual, Spiritual. Yes. Wonderful, thanks. Over here. Could you wait for the... um, Actually, I'll just repeat. Kate, we don't need the mic. Okay, there we go. And if you could please say your name first, that'd be great. Is it green? Great. Great. So, um, Reverend Hung Shore's version of the dedication of merit, you said? Wonderful. Do you know if that's online anywhere? Great. Thank you. Any others? Yes, Sylvie? Wonderful. Thank you. You may have to give that one to Kate after class <laughs> um, to get spelling. Anybody else? Yes, in the back over there. Um, could you hand the mic over to him, please? It's not working. 
And the volume's up? Okay. Um, I'll just repeat back. So, um, no, Mike, go ahead. Oh, beautiful. L'Enfant. L'Enfant. And it's by Yanni and who? Yanni and Vangelis. Vangelis. Okay, great. Anybody else? We got um, you and then you. <laughs> Beautifully. In diari, little thing. Little things. Okay. Thank you. And Alphonse. Sacred Heart by Cass McCombs. McCombs. Uplifting. Great. Any other ideas? I have one to add, which is um, Eve Deckler has a song on loving kindness or metta, and it's in her album um, Commentary on the Great Perfections. So that's um, one of my favorites for this. One more, yes. Beautiful. Le Petit Enfant. Le Petit Enfant. Jimmy Buffett. Uh, he wrote the song for his daughter. Uh, he has all his friends. Wonderful. So Jimmy Buffett's song for his daughter and for all children. Yes. Thank you. Yes, one more. Yes. So, um, this is well known, but I really like the Beatles' Let It Be. Great. Um, and I play it sometimes, I facilitate groups at work, and it seems like everyone can pretty much resonate with that, and they seem to um, really like the message, you know, just let it be, like it is what it is kind of thing. Okay, the Beatles, Let It Be, yes, great. Yeah. Deva Pramal, and what's the name of the song? Well, there's so many of hers that are so good, but I like one called Om Mitraya. Om Mitraya. And it's maybe Om Mitraya Namaha. I mean, it goes on. Okay, great. Thank you. Great. So, um, those we were able to capture, I'll type those up and put them on the Audio Dharma site as well as all the rest of the handouts and the recordings from this class. So feel free to check them out. We won't put the actual songs up, but the list. <laughs> we don't have the songs. <laughs> no, we don't have time either. But you're welcome to um, search out on your own online. So... 
Thank you for your contributions to that, everybody. That's um, something I find really helpful is to engage music in the mind. So we're going to transition to an ancient Buddhist playlist now. Um, so if there is, maybe you can hold the mic to the group. Is that possible? Is that one working? That one's working. Okay. So this is the evening blessing that we've been chanting in this class. And um, it is Reflections on Benevolence or Universal Benevolence is the other title for it. And you probably didn't bring your handouts if you were here before. So I'm going to suggest we do the first verse in call and response. The second verse is pretty much the same. It's just we instead of I or me, everyone. So we can do that together. Okay, are you ready? It's short. May I abide in well-being. In freedom from affliction, in freedom from hostility, in freedom from anxiety. In freedom from ill will, and may I maintain well being in myself. May everyone abide in well-being. In freedom from hostility. Together now. In freedom from ill-will. In freedom from anxiety, and may they maintain well-being in themselves. Thank you for singing along with me. So tonight we're going to be talking about metta for all beings and unspecific metta which are both practices of generally radiating out metta into the world, but they're a little bit different. Um, Unspecific metta, the way I teach it, has much more to do with how we influence or wish for our own experience. It has to do with pervading our own minds. The metta for all beings is the last category of the categories we've been going through week by week. So I'm going to start with that one. And um, I'll be honest with you, um, getting this class together this week was a challenge for me. And um, a large part of the reason for that was right about this time everyone was getting ready for this class last week, there was that shooting in Charleston. And you by now know 
nine people died. The next day, Thursday, I just happened to be out for a meal with a good friend of mine. We go to the same consortium of seminaries. I'm going to the Buddhist one, and she's going to one of the other ones. And she's African-American, and she is studying to be a minister in that denomination. She was visibly shaken, practically in tears. And you can imagine how anxious for her own well-being and that of her church she felt. It really came home to me in a different way, talking with her, seeing the impact directly in someone that I love. And so in considering what it means to wish well to all beings, it's not always easy, right? The unfortunate state of the world, the crimes, the prejudice, the extraordinary unlovability of hate crime and the people who commit it, the sobering and tragic power of delusion in our world, how is it reasonable to offer metta or even conceive of it when all beings include the very most difficult, not just for us, but for innocent people and for society? So I'd like to share with you a little bit about how I've been exploring the tension between this really beautiful ideal of loving kindness and compassion for all and the way some beings cause significant suffering, the way the world actually is sometimes. And as I've been wrestling with this, I found three kind of uggs or sticking points in my heart. The first is the idea of feeling love or kindly towards those who are filled with hatred and would harm other people. The second one is um, a little bit more process-oriented. As those of you who have been in this course know, one of the key ways of cultivating metta traditionally is to focus on appreciation of the virtuous and the lovely. It's really a conscious averting to that. And it's useful even when cultivating metta for a difficult person in our lives, at least a moderately difficult one, because we can use confounding information, right? Times when they've been kinder or gentler or more understanding than we normally perceive them to be. But what about beings with no apparent redeeming qualities at all? Your man-eating crocodiles of the world, that kind of thing. Some beings, it just doesn't seem to make sense. Or people might ask if it's even responsible to cultivate good feelings towards them. The third sticky point, the third uh, is in opening to the immensity of experience, the range of beauty, the range of heroism and joy and sorrow and loss and incredible diversity of ideas and beings and ways of moving through this world. It's almost unfathomable how incredibly multiplicitous we are, not just our species, but the rest of them too. So how do I, do we, as practitioners, cultivate metta towards beings in all these situations while maintaining some kind of internal balance in our own hearts and our own lives? 
So for me, these questions call for a lot of consideration on a societal level and an interpersonal level, but on the spiritual level, they call for a deeper look at the nature of this practice, a maturity in the way that metta is understood. So one distinction that's been really helpful for me is that metta does not mean we have to like someone. It, just, it doesn't mean we have to feel friendly or warm towards that person. And there's another translation, actually, of the term metta in the ancient Pali. It was one of the earliest translations, which is helpful here. It's non-hatred. It's not doing anything, making anything happen. It's simply the absence of hatred. So for me, in the case of the harmful beings in this world... It's both an act of compassion to those beings and an act of compassion to everyone around them to wish that they be free of hatred and the underlying delusion that causes it. This is a wish for freedom, for liberation. And as many of you have probably noticed in this practice or just in your lives, there's a visceral discomfort when I feel ill will. It's a contraction in the body and the heart. It doesn't feel good. By wishing others to be free of it, we're wishing both for their suffering to end and for the suffering of everyone who is impacted by them as well to end. So um, I'm going to go back to this notion of appreciation for the lovely, appreciation for the good, I still think is a really beautiful and important practice in our world. In my own understanding and in being around some pretty awake people, this kind of appreciation can actually mature into an ethical aesthetic. By that, I mean it's a preference for what is most beautiful or non-harmful in the big picture. It's not attached to any person, not any one person, but towards what the most beautiful or least harmful outcome is in a situation overall. You can experiment for yourself. You might find that once appreciation lifts off of any particular person, that you find that it has a different kind of power. It can inform a sincere wish for the conditions that promote love and kindness and compassion in our world and in my own mind instead of conditions that lead to greed, hatred, prejudice, delusion. The immediate cause of violence, hatred, lack, delusion can become less likely as these larger conditions in a situation change, as the larger conditions in each of our hearts change. For example, with cultivation of metta, we can do what we can to contribute to a life filled with less hatred, a culture filled with less hatred. 
perhaps that means actively standing with people that some regard as other for whatever reason they're regarded as other. It can also mean we simply witness or truly see our brothers and sisters on this planet with unclouded and non-self-centered hearts. Those hearts can form a basis for wise action at the appropriate time. We have to start with our own hearts. So thank you for listening to my exploration. Just to recap, because we're going to shift into practice and less about me talking at you. Metta for all beings is an opportunity to practice in a much more mature and nuanced way than just generating warm feelings, as wonderful as those can be. Wishing for others to be free of hatred and hostility and delusion is one of the truest acts of generosity that we can offer for everyone involved. And you may find that this appreciation can be applied to situations, your own and others, as a kind of ethical aesthetic, a big picture understanding that is not necessarily personal, but can express itself in deeply personal ways. And finally, as we move into practice, please keep in mind that offering loving kindness to all beings is where metta and equanimity meet. It's an opportunity to trust that cultivating more kindness and compassion in the world, even just one part of it, yours, mine, begins to shift the conditions of this world in a way that is beautiful and important. I'm going to bring in again Mahagosananda's brave Dhammapada chant that he did in the refugee camps of Cambodia after the Khmer Rouge fell. Hatred never ends by hatred, but by love alone is healed. This is the ancient and natural law. And those are some good phrases to use in this meditation if you want some. So, um, before we go into the meditation, I want to check in and see if anyone has questions, comments, or complaints about this talk. You don't have to, but I want to open it up because it's kind of a big topic. Can we get the mic over, please? Maybe the other one. I don't think that one's working, right? And it's working. Okay. Hello, everybody. My name's Frank. Hi, Frank. Um, I was fortunate enough to be here on Monday with Gil, and uh, it was there was something that he said that was very significant, and he talked at length about uh, the incident, and uh, he said that hatred was a burden yeah. that was too difficult to carry, and and that I've that really rang a bell with me. I'm close to someone who has a lot of hatred and it's difficult to deal with sometimes and this has become a little bit of a mantra for me this week. Uh, He talked about so many other things but that really uh, resounded with me. Thank you, Frank. I appreciate it. Anybody else? 
Alfonso. Like uh, Gil was referencing was um, Martin Luther King, where he was saying why why he loves and it's like because hate is too much of a burden. Mm. So, Great. Yeah. So Martin Luther King. Yeah. Um, I, I'm also battling with the emotions about the um, perpetrators of violence in the world. Yes. Um, uh, the rapists and people who commit genocide. Um, and I realize that my hatred for them is a burden. So by feeling the pain that I inflict on myself and seeing that that is my own interpretation of them that's causing me to hurt myself um, allows me to release a little bit of that. Thank you. Over here. So in thinking of this topic, it reminds me of the woman who was on PBS through Hay House, you know, Louise Hay, and I think she was part of the genocide in Uganda. I don't know if you guys heard about her. Oh, her name is, shoot, she has like a French name, like not Aimé, it's like something like that. Anyway, she had an incredible story where, you know, most of her family, unfortunately, was murdered and she had to hide out in a bathroom with other women. Um, I think it was in a church or somebody hid them, you know. Uh, and they were just in a small space for a really long time. It was just really, you know. And the whole time, I guess she had a Bible, and so she just really, like, tried to focus on that. And then at the end, I think at some point she's, like, running towards the refugee camp. She's so close, but then there's these two guys from the other team or the other, well, not team, but, you know. Um, and they're, you know, and at that point, I guess, I don't know how she was able to do it, but she was able to have love for them somehow and, like, kind of hold them in this space that brought out the love in them somehow and, like, the humanity in them. Um, so it kind of awakened them from this delusion that you're talking about. So I just think that's so... Of course, it's hard, and I'm not going to beat myself up if I'm not able to do that in that situation because, you know, that's, I don't know how she was able to do it. It was a miracle, but it's such an interesting concept that, wow, you know, if you're able to somehow hold that space, you might bring out in the other person because everybody has that in them, no matter how small, you know, the seed is at that point, it's still in them. Um, so I think that was just an amazing story. So if you're interested, feel free to look that up. Thank you so much. Okay, one more in the back. This will be the last one for now. Um, back. I think we're still, we're still evolving as a species. I think we have a, a nature, an incredibly but good incredible potential for evil and hatred and anxiety in us. Um, I think that's borne out in the actions of ISIS, ISIL. It's borne out in the, in the North Carolina shootings. And I think that the message that the meditation community needs to take to the world is there's a better way. But I don't think we're there yet. I think it's going to take generations. So the message, um, I appreciate all that each of you said, 
And the message I'd like to reinforce is that while we certainly still do have those tendencies, that is incontrovertible, we also have the tendencies towards altruism and love and cooperation and kindness. We would not exist today if those did not operate within us in a great measure. And this practice is an intentional cultivation of those qualities. In that sense, um, I think of the remarkable act of courage that you just described of this Ugandan woman. And um, it's, um, it's something that people do tap into with or without Buddhist practice. It's pretty remarkable. So um, before we go directly into meditation, I'm going to follow up on a promise that I made a few weeks ago, which is that we would chant the rest of the Metta Sutta chant. So um, if you don't like chanting, bear with me and listen. It'll be over soon. And if you do like it, let's do it call and response because... I didn't manage to make the printer work to give us printouts of them. Um, how is the temperature in here for people? Can you adjust it just, just slightly? Yeah. Okay, so um, this is the Karyana Metta Sutta. This is what should be done by one who is skilled in goodness. And who knows the path of peace. Let them be able and upright. Straightforward and gentle in speech. Humble and not conceited. Contented and easily satisfied. Unburdened with duties and frugal in their ways. Peaceful and calm and wise and skillful. Not proud or demanding in nature. Let them not do the slightest thing. that the wise would later reprove. Wishing in gladness and in safety. May all beings be at ease. 
Whatever living beings there may be, whether they are weak or strong, omitting none, the great or the mighty, medium, short, or small, the seen and the unseen, those living near and far away, those born and to be born, May all beings be at ease. Let none deceive another. Or despise any being in any state. Let none through anger or ill will wish harm upon another. Even as a mother protects with her life Her child, her only child, so with a boundless heart, should one cherish all living beings. Radiating kindness over the entire world. Spreading upwards to the skies and downwards to the depths. Outwards and unbounded, freed from hatred and ill will, whether standing or walking, seated or lying down. Freed from drowsiness, one should sustain this recollection recollection. 
This is said to be the sublime abiding. By not holding to fixed views, the pure hearted one, having clarity of vision, being freed from all sense desires. is not born again into this world. So closing your eyes, being in a comfortable seated posture, See whatever effects the chanting may have had or just being in the room may have had this past half hour or so. Acknowledging whatever's there and starting by offering this body, mind and heart gentleness and kindness as if you were seeing yourself through the eyes of a being or a person that really appreciates you just for who you are and tuning into the breath in the body Noticing the heart and the breath together. And tapping into the integrity of this body, its presence. It's always here for the body, it's always now. And the breath and heart integrated. See if you can tune into, appreciate deeply the desire to be happy and free of suffering inside of you. Just like me. All beings wish to be free of suffering, of fear, delusion, just like me. Set the intention to let loving kindness or that more mature metta flow from your heart and body born on the breath or an internal gesture of offering. Radiating wishes for kindness outwards 
in all directions, as far or as close as it wants to go, no forcing necessary. Sometimes it's helpful to imagine rippling of metta out towards every life we touch. Rippling through the vast interdependent web of relationships in which our lives unfold. And radiate the breath or energy just with intentions outwards, unbounded. And if you like, clarify these intentions by using some version of the phrases that work for you. I'm going to offer some new ones tonight. Take what's useful. May all beings have happiness and its causes, such as clarity and kindness. May all beings be filled with loving kindness. May all beings be free of hatred and the delusion that causes hatred. May all beings be free of anger, hostility and bitterness. May all beings know peace. Whatever language works for you, if you like, you can shorten it to a word. Extending and enveloping yourself in this wish. If it moves you, also offer kindness and compassion, particularly towards any beings in distress.
the last moment of this meditation, letting go of any phrases, any radiation, and just be with whatever feelings and sensations are here, softening into this moment. So the Pali word for pervading, radiating, spreading is parati. And I like this word in part because it specifically means spreading metta. There's a word in this language just for radiating love. It's got its own verb. It's kind of nice. Parati. P-H-A-R-A-T-I. So the practice of unspecific metta has more to do with rather than choosing to go outwards towards beings as we just did in that meditation, just suffusing your own experience. They talk about it in the ancient suttas as pervading each quarter of the mind. And I like quarter of body-mind or heart mind better than just mind. And it's the easiest way to practice throughout the day. um, It can be as simple as presence that communicates kindness. It can actually be a healing modality. There's a study that came out in Scientific American in 2013. And they discovered some really interesting things kind of as a byproduct of studying the placebo effect. So, sugar pills, right? And in this study, they um, gave sugar pills to a bunch of patients, but they varied the way the doctors were with the patients. For half of them, it was just normal administration. Here it is. This will make you feel better. The other half, the doctors were instructed to be very present with the patient but not for that long. It was like 30 seconds of like intense presence, listening, watching, being kind, and a touch on the arm. There was a huge difference in how the placebo affected these two groups. It's like 20% difference in people who recovered spontaneously if there was caring added to the equation. So that's already interesting, right? But then the second half of this study, they put the doctors in the fMRI machine and um, 
told them to, um, suggested that they soothe a patient who was in pain. Now, the doctors didn't know the patient in pain was actually a confederate of the researchers, so nobody was in pain. But the doctor thought so. And each doctor in the fMRI machine would start to offer comfort to this person. I guess they must have used a mic, because if you've ever been in an fMRI, it's not easy to see another person. <laughs> but they were able to watch what happened to their brains. And they experienced the same kind of activation that the patients receiving comfort experienced. The same kind of response. And in fact, they reported feeling relief and happiness after offering kindness. Which I think is a pretty cool message to get from science, right? Um, And anyone who chooses to cultivate kindness on a regular basis knows this from our own experience, but it's always nice when the machines and the studies rack it up, right? So we have a chance to affect this giant web of feedback loops in our relationships. Some of you have probably heard this story before, so I'm going to tell a short version. It's a story of a gatekeeper. Once upon a time in an ancient land, there was a gatekeeper outside of this city. And um, people would often check in with him before entering the city to see what was up. And one day this man comes along and says, Tell me, how are the people in this city? What should I expect? And the gatekeeper kind of rubs his chin and he says, Well, tell me how they were in the last town that you lived in. The man says, Oh, they were conniving, rude, you couldn't trust them. They'd sneak around on you, and nobody had time for anything. And the gatekeeper kind of nods and says, I think you'll find the people here very much like that. A little while later, a woman and her family come up. And she stops the gatekeeper as well, and she says, Tell me, sir, how are the people in this city? Well, ma'am, tell me how they were the last city you were in. They were great. Salt of the earth. You could rely on them for anything. People had a kind word, no matter how busy they were. A sense of ease and connection. Nobody was perfect. But, wow, what great neighbors. I hope we get that lucky again. And he smiles and he waves them on, saying, I think you'll find the people in this town very much like that. We have an influence on our relationships, right? Our perceptions have an influence on those relationships as much as our actions. So one of the really beautiful things about an unspecific metta practice, you choose to just kind of cultivate this friendly goodwill towards things as they arise, is the distinctions between mind states like that man's mistrust and the woman's openness start to become really clear in your own mind. At least they do for me. It's like having the loving kindness as an intention creates a backdrop for a contrast. And everything else is in sharp relief. You can develop this really strong, lucid awareness if you pay attention. Um, It's where mindfulness and metta meet. Ajahn Brahm has a term for this. It's called kindfulness, which I think is great. 
So in this way, cultivating loving kindness actually becomes kind of a mindfulness of mind practice, right? The attitudes become part of what arises and passes away. That contrast I was talking about. And then the most important thing, which is this jujitsu move we can pull, which is instead of judging ourselves for not having kindness in any given moment, see if it's possible to hold whatever attitude is there gently and kindly. It's a lot easier to see stuff if we're not trying to push it away, right? So this cultivation of an appreciative, gentle, inclusive, allowing attitude is a real gift for mindfulness practice. And it really complements any of the categories that we've been working with all along. Not that focusing on a particular category of person is bad, it's certainly lovely, but this is another way of checking in with how we're cultivating. What is the attitude? Am I making myself be kind? That's not a very nice thing to do. Over time, with this practice, a natural kind of empathy and goodwill begins to come up for all experience. It's actually a wonderful gift that we can give to others. Out of the two people who talked to that gatekeeper, who would you rather have as a neighbor? Right? So that choice to cultivate our minds, live our lives in this way that holds experience gently is a real mutual benefit. It's an internal and external kindfulness for us and everyone around us. And one of the most beautiful things for me that this practice has developed is this sense of something else Gil said earlier this week, which is that we're all in this together, all of us. So one last meditation, unspecific metta. You're free to be in any posture that feels comfortable and supportive for you. It's helpful to close your eyes, unless you're doing it in daily life, in which case, please keep them open. So it's just going to be a momentary kind of check-in at the beginning of this meditation. Checking in with your body, your heart. And the brief image of some kind of being that brings a natural smile to the heart. Doesn't have to be a person. It can be a cute animal. It can be a figure in your life. But let yourself smile. Actually smile if you want to. Noticing any warmth that arises and allowing that smile, that warmth, that openness to expand through your whole body from your face to your feet. Let your body be soft 
gently collect your attention around the center of your chest, the whole heart center. Noticing and gently acknowledging any kind of sensations, any feelings. And see if you can feel your breath and your heart come together, as if you could breathe directly into the heart and out again, out into the world. Allowing an intention for metta to emerge from the breath and percolate through the deepest places from the heart center, through your core, your whole being, every organ, every muscle, every cell of the body, even the skin, through every corner of the heart and mind. Pervading metta can be like a summer breeze and the sound of a horn. You can play with it aim it above you all the way through the upper reaches of the mind to the sky beyond radiating below the deep unconscious recesses of the heart radiating through the right side of the body-mind. Including the left. Front, back. including all directions and quarters of this heart, mind, and body. Everything consciousness and perception touch. Allow this intention for love and kindness to saturate all parts of it, the noble and the small, the petty, the generous,
perhaps feelings and sensations and thoughts moving through like weather patterns in a vast sky. From time to time, pause, receiving, acknowledging your whole experience, allowing intentions of love, kindness, friendliness to soak through all experience, trusting these intentions to spread through the heart and mind, action, into a way of being. in the last moment of this meditation. Letting go of any need to spread energy, pervade, and gently reflect, if you might. We resonate with one another's sorrows, difficulties, joys, because we are interconnected by this wish of metta, 
be free of suffering. Everyone wants to avoid suffering, be happy, be at ease in some way. By opening this heart to more receptivity, kindness and non-hatred, we can transform ourselves and the lives we touch. Take a moment to appreciate the generosity of cultivating an open heart. So for just about five minutes here, I'd like to turn this over to you, to turn to each other. Pick one. I think one is better tonight, um, other person to talk to. And just discuss what some of the ways you think it might be most useful for you to carry this practice forward. Maybe brainstorm a little bit with each other. What might be, is there one thread or stream of this practice that you think is beneficial to start with or to stay with? Or creative ideas that you think have worked best for you? I'll give it five minutes. I'll ring a bell approximately in the middle to let you know you're halfway through. And as always, you are welcome to opt out if you prefer and reflect in silence. So please go ahead and start. So, um, does anyone have ideas they want to share with the group? You don't have to. Or any other last things you'd like to say before we close this class out? Um, Comments, complaints, observations, insights? (laughs) Sorry about that. I was um, saying that I've I've been practicing uh, loving-kindness every evening for the past four weeks or whatever was the duration of the class. And I've noticed a huge improvement, um, really, really big improvement. And so I'm hoping to keep going. I mean, I also practice mindfulness in the morning, and I really love mindfulness, so... Um, 
I hope I'll be able to keep both and not just do mindfulness because I find a lot of benefits. But um, I wanted to ask you, even if I was not doing mindfulness, uh, loving kindness every day, is it kind of something you can still kind of do regularly? But not necessarily every day, but it's kind of... Um, so absolutely. Um, some people do it as needed, if you will. Um, and for myself, I, I go through phases with it. Um, more and more, just kind of spontaneously in daily life, actually. But um, especially if something has me down, this is a really good practice. This and it's very closely related practice, compassion practice, are really powerful. And um, you'll learn to know yourself when you need it, uh, or when it's helpful, I should say. So thank you for the question. So thank you all for coming. Really appreciate your attendance here. It's been great to share this practice with you. It's one that I really love. I just wanted to mention there are two um, other options for continuing this sort of practice coming up. One is a two-part series that Susan Ezekiel is speaking to on Tuesday mornings, starting on Tuesday, July 7th, um, on cultivating a soft mind. So on the 7th and on the 14th. That is during the day, so some of you won't be able to make it, but I'm sure it will be posted online as well. And the second thing is compassion cultivation training, which I highly recommend for anyone who can try it. Um, One of the people who teaches here, Robert Cusick, has a number of classes coming up. I believe his summer classes are already underway, but he has a few in the fall. Both of those classes are listed on the handout, so that it'll also be posted online. Yeah, that pink one. It's at the bottom of one of the sides. I don't remember which, but um, there's more, like, exploration section, and it's in that section. So, Yes? I believe that an Intro to Mindfulness series is starting next Wednesday. It's either next Wednesday or the following, but I think it might even be next Wednesday. So, um, yeah, Wednesday nights are usually dedicated to different series, and there's not always one going on, but there's one starting soon. And that's a couple of lovely instructors, Diana Clark and Andrea Castillo. So if you haven't already taken an Intro to Mindfulness course, that's a great one. So... um, any closing announcements, and then reset. I was going to announce that mindfulness class too. I think it starts next week. I'm pretty sure it does. Okay. Same time, same place. Great. And also to remind you that our teachings are all freely offered. So if you wish to make a donation, there's a box uh, to the right of the door as you go out. And um, we like to support our teachers. And there's also a slot for the center. But the teacher is the most important, really. The center has, gets plenty. <laughs> so if you want, if you can, um, if you want to, it's, you know, please do. Thank you.